0: You're listening to the Young Performer Podcast, made by young performers for young performers. Um, you all did really well. Well done, because that's, that's hard to be stopped and started like that. I was really impressed with all of your work today. Nice one. Well done. What's it like having a full-time career in voice acting, and what does a typical working day look like? So I really like working as a voice artist um, because I, because I work a lot from home. So I have a lot of freedom as to how I structure my days. Um, There's not like throughout the day in lots of jobs, there'll be somebody telling you what you need to do and when you need to do it and how you need to do it. Whereas because I work alone a lot of the time and I work at home a lot of the time, it means I have the freedom to take a break when I want to take a break or I can work any hours I want to work. So if I'm having a morning where I'm struggling to get my words out or get a good flow in the in the studio, I can go, okay, I'm just going to take a break, go for a walk and I'll I'll work until late in the evening tonight. And um, when I'm a bit more on it, you know, so I have a lot more freedom time wise, my working day varies depending on what I'm doing. So if I am working for a studio, they tend to tap into my studio so that we're all on clean feed or something like that, which is like an internet service, so that you're all in real time together. Um, and so then those days will be very structured and quite strict and I'll need to be listening to the people at the studio. They'll be making notes for me. Um, So that day is quite structured and strict, and I don't have a lot of say-so over what happens. If I'm marking up a book, I can do that anywhere. So I could sit in the garden with my iPad and be marking up an audio book, or I could could go to a cafe and do it, or I could sit in my lounge. Quite often I sit in my lounge on the floor with the dog's head on my shoulder, marking it up, you know. Um, If I'm in my studio... Then the structure of my day is usually that I get up, I go into the studio, I record for usually two hours, and then I will have a break. Then I come back again, I record for another two hours or edit, depending on how much I've got done, um, and then I have a break. The thing that is the trickiest is that you have got to move. Okay, so when you're sitting in a studio, you spend a lot of time sitting down. And so you have to have a strict program about when you move. Otherwise, you're going to get backache or start to get like repetitive strain injuries. So, yeah. We love sitting inside your home studio. For the listeners at home, can you explain what your studio is like as it's like a Doctor Who TARDIS in your home? Sure thing, Maya. The studio looks like a Doctor Who TARDIS from the outside, which is really cool. It's like a little box, just like Doctor Who's, except it doesn't say Doctor Who on the top. It is blue, actually, as well. Not navy blue, like sky blue. Um... But unfortunately, when I go inside the studio, it is not like Doctor Who's TARDIS. It is just as small on the inside as it is on the outside. Um, But I'm only a little tiny lady. I'm only five foot one. So I fit in there just fine. Um, And um, it's got all carpet on the inside of the walls and lots of foam so that Mm -hmm. the sound, just lots of nice curving around and it's nice and... um, Uh, deadens so it doesn't sound like I'm in a cave or something like that there's not a lot of rebound so yeah it is like Doctor Who's TARDIS but I do wish it was as big on the inside as Doctor Who's TARDIS is and I'd also quite like it to have some magical instruments in it (laughs) how long does it take to record a whole book and do you have to edit it all together yourself so um I would say that to record one hour of audio, so one finished hour of a book, I think it takes about five hours of work. So that includes preparing the book, researching the book. When I get into the studio, I think it takes me two hours to do one hour of audio. And that's because quite often I do do an edit. And when I edit the book, I'm just taking out the clap sounds or um, the mistakes, um, like where I've stopped and started. So I'm patching up those sounds. The jobs I love are the jobs I get where I don't have to do any editing at all. And what I do is I just read the book, I put in a clap if I've made a mistake, and then I send all of that to the studio. They're the best books, and I would say that when I'm working in that way, which is how you work in a studio with a producer without clapping because they stop and start, I would say it takes me about an hour and a half to record one hour of audio, but I work a lot faster than a lot of voice artists because that's always what people say to me when I'm in a studio. And so, Charlie, what's the difference between getting the gig that's allowing you to do that and getting the gig where you have to do the edit? It's it's basically budget. It's about budget. So if the company have got a bigger budget, if the book is a bigger story or has a bigger budget, you will get a, a better deal as the voice artist. You won't have to do all of that editing work. Now, don't get me wrong, because I've done best-selling books that have done really, really well, and I've had to do that myself. So it's not always about how famous the author is or how how much of a bestseller the book is. Um, you know, there's other books that I've done where, I, where I, I've been given the freedom to not have to do all of the editing. And it's, um, it's been a book that you might not have heard of at all. It's all about budget. And um, the voice industry is changing because of that, you know? I personally think that you'll get a better read if the, if the voice artist doesn't have to edit the book. Because I'm a voice artist. That's, I'm good at reading stories. As you've seen, I'm not so great with technology. (laughs) How many books would you hope to record in a good year? And can you tell us about the award you won? Sure. So in a good year, I would like to record up to 30 books in, in that year, really. On average, it's about 24 books, 28 books, something like that. This year's been a little bit different because of COVID. A lot of books have been held back because bookshops weren't open. So I haven't had the same flow of work that I would have liked to have had. It varies. This month coming up, I'm recording. I will have recorded six books in six weeks. Yeah. very, very busy. Yeah, because everything got held back, nothing was happening, and now everyone's going, ah, we need these books doing. So it's like I'm on a real quick flow with books. So it varies, Julio. In an ideal world, I'd like 24 plus, really, a year. The award that I won was called the Earphone Awards, and it was for this really cool book. It was an adult um, fiction, and it was a, a ghost story. Um, and I played the character that was kind of seeing all of these ghosts. So there were four different characters in the story. So it was read by four different voice artists. My character was Fenella. Ah, I think it was called Echo Hall. It's terrible. I can't remember the name of the book. I remember the name of my character. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, and, uh, yeah, the award was because they just thought it was just a really uh, amazing voice job by all the different actors. It was a cool story, guys. Really cool scary (laughs) what is your favorite book that you've narrated and why oh that's a hard question Mm. i mm, that's a hard question because i've done some really lovely ones so the book that i've given to mulan is called the extremely inconvenient adventures of bronte Metalstone. okay i loved that book because it had a really strong female lead character and i feel like young uh, women and young girls and young boys need to read about girls that are really like feisty and strong and creative and cool um, so I really loved that book uh, and it went to all these different places in this magical world and the author, basically I got in touch with the author and I said, can I just do what I want with the characters? Can I give them loads of different accents and just play with things? And she was like, yeah, do what you like, Charlie, whatever you want. And I was like, yes. So it's <laughs> so had loads of freedom and had all these amazing, exciting, incredible characters. Um, And then the other one is one of the first books that I ever read, which was called My Name is Mina by David Armand. Um, And I loved that because I played the part of Mina in the UK tour around the UK. We took the play to New York, on Broadway in New York with that play. So when I said to David, please, can I do the book for Mina? And he said yes. It was like, um, it was a really wonderful gift to be able to play that character. One last time was really nice. Yeah. have you done any other voice work other than audiobooks? yeah so I've done um, a game, a computer game where basically the game was in uh, Japanese and basically what I had to do is I had to look at the sound signature so you'll see them tomorrow, sound signatures I had to look at the character and then listen to what the character said and then I had to say it in English with the same intonation and the same voice on the same distance of the track <laughs> so yeah, that was quite hard, <laughs> but I did a, I did a great job and I really enjoyed it because I quite um, like quite specific things like that. And then I do I do a lot of exam papers, so I do exam papers for China and um, Iraq and um, uh, uh, papers for um, the Middle East, and that's about um, helping children to read and understand English. So that's really funny. It's like a is for apple, B is for ball. So you have to do it really slowly, and then sometimes yeah, and you need to do it in American, Australian, uh, different accents. Um, and I've done some ADR, so the Harry Potter, the Deathly Hallows. There's my voice in the background, being a kid or a mum on the railway line before they take Harry to Hogwarts. Um, so, yeah, some, some different voice jobs. Um, I've just settled in audiobooks, I guess, because it's kind of what I like the best. <laughs> what microphone and recording platform do you use to record? I use a Newman mic. I think they're the best mics, but then I would because... I use one of them. You often get Newman mics in, like, the big studios. Um, The Newman mic I really love, and I chose it because I was helped by a studio who said, this will be good for your voice, Charlie, because sometimes certain mics are good for certain voices. The kit that I use is called an Apollo Twin, and that's the sound card, and that's where my mic goes through. I showed you guys the other day. The mic goes through to the sound card and then through to the computer to process everything, and the programmer uses Pro Tools, Um, which is, again, used by a lot of studios. I think some studios use different stuff, but I like Pro Tools best as well. It's easiest for someone who is, like, not great with technology sometimes. (laughs) Can you explain to our listeners what you have been teaching us in screen school this week? Sure. So I've been teaching everyone in screen school about how to read uh, an audio text, uh, an audio book. And we've been looking at the way that we can use pitch and tone and pacing to differentiate between characters. We've looked at how it would work in a real studio, the way that they stop and start you as you read so that they can understand, so you guys can understand and feel comfortable with the process. If you were to Ever go and read a book yourselves? We've talked about how a studio works and how a microphone works and how you work with a microphone. Um, and we've talked about the complexity of emotions when you're doing a character read. So we've, we've covered quite a lot. Wow. Well done, everyone. <laughs> Do you have any advice for young people listening who are wanting to start audiobook narrating? Sure. So My advice would be, whatever kind of performer you are, it's really good to be in touch with what you love about performing, yeah? And it's really good to be in touch with where your skills lie. So I started out as an actor, and I have settled into a a program as a voice artist, because for me, when I really looked at what it was that I loved about performing, it was storytelling. So I thought, what do I love about this? Is it being on stage? Is it, is it being on screen? And I really went, no, 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 let's boil it right down. And for me, it was storytelling. I thought, you know, storytelling has been around since the beginning of time. And that's what I really loved about it. So I think if you're a young person and you're thinking about getting into voice work or acting or anything like that, it's really important to say, what is it that I love about my art form? And to know that. And then when you go and do it, you can really embrace it and enjoy it. And I would say that some people say they want to be a voice artist, but then they do it and they don't like it. Um, And some people say they don't want to be a voice artist, and then they do it and they go, oh, wow, I actually, I really like this. Yeah. So when I was an actress, I loved a lot of it, but also I felt like maybe a little bit exposed because everybody could see me all the time. And I was on a stage in front of hundreds of people. And when I go into my booth and I work with my microphone, I feel really safe because I can be free and be creative, but I can kind of be a little bit introverted as well. So it's important to know, are you an introvert or are you an extrovert? And I think if you're an introvert, but you love to perform, I think that the studio is a great place for you to do that. That's amazing, Charlie. Thank you. And finally, if our listeners would like to hear one of your stories that you've narrated, Is there a book that you'd like to recommend for the children and young people listening to our podcast where they can hear you narrating the story? Cool. So I think if you are younger, so if you're like, um, I don't know, I guess maybe before the age of 12, then you might like Pugs of the Frozen North, which is by Philip Reeve and Sarah McIntyre. It's a really cool little story and it's got lots of really cool voices in it. If you are from about 8 to 13, you might like My Mom Tracy Beaker, which was by Jacqueline Wilson, yeah? Or you might like, I really would say, do try The, um, the Inconvenient Adventures of Bronte Metalstone. It's a really fab swashbuckling book. And if you're a little older... Um, i would have a listen so if you're sort of 14 years plus i think the girl with space in her heart is really nice um by Lisa williamson which cj is doing this week and you know what guys my name is mina is a lovely book it's a lovely book she's a young girl but it's a really beautiful book and it's unusual so yeah there's a few there there's a few That's perfect. Thank you so much for your time today. You've given us such an amazing insight into your career and we're loving working with you this week. Cool, wicked. Okay. (laughs) You've been listening to the Young Performer Podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, we would love it if you could like, rate, subscribe and leave a review. It will help other young performers to find our show.